Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Titan Size Podcast. I'm Luke Worsham, joined by the other two hosts of the Titan Size Podcast, Matthias Wadner and Will Lomas, here for another pre-draft episode where we uh, talk about the NFL draft, which is going to be in Nashville in just over two weeks, which is nuts to think about. Yeah, I'm ready for this process to just kind of be over with especially after the last couple of weeks so a lot of smoke has been is being you know thrown around and it's just it, I'm not gonna say it's annoying but I, I just want the draft to already be here uh, so a lot of these uh, these rumors kind of get put to bed yeah I mean I I hate this part of the year I, I hate dealing with like people who, don't necessarily watch the film or know people and they kind of suggest that some people are better than others and they fight me in my Twitter mention. So I'm ready. You know what I'm ready for to be over this Kyler Murray, Josh Rosen stuff. I am so fed up with all of that. It's, it's really annoying. And I think more so because there isn't like, I, I don't know. It's just taking a while for the Cardinals to just be like, we don't want Rosen anymore. And it seems like that's what it is. It seems like they want Murray and they're trying to trade Rosen, but it's just really being drawn out uh, so much. I I don't understand. Like you have the first pick. You can say what your intentions are. Just say that you're going to take Murray and just get it over with already. It it, it is getting annoying. Yeah. Murray and his agent were in Arizona today. So, (laughs) you know, I get trying to be secretive and I understand all that, but you know, I, th- I think the rumors that they've got a second round pick uh, on the table from the Chargers, I almost called them San Diego, um, and that's like the highest bid. I mean, honestly, if you're going to trade a guy that, you know, you spent a first round pick on and I think traded up to get him, like, it, you're already basically admitting defeat and that you don't think your coaches can make him what y'all thought he was just a year ago. So just take the second round pick and end the embarrassment. Like, this is a terrible look for Arizona, in my opinion. Even oh, if you love absolutely Murray, with, with just, Steve Kime at the center of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, I mean, Kime. I, I I mean this in you know the nicest kind of way, but I mean, Kime seems just like a figurehead now. Like you can't trade up for a guy who you know, by all accounts, was supposed to be your franchise quarterback, and then a year later, give up on him. Either ownership came in and said you made a poor evaluation, or you have not not lost the stomach for it. But it's like you no longer are convict, convicted that you know what you're doing. So this is, I mean, I hate it. I hate it for Kyle because he seemed like a, a you know a good dude on all the hard knocks and all those things. Um, 
but it, I mean, this is, I, I don't know any way to look at this other than just admitting you failed in one of the biggest, you know, tests of your career. Because, I mean, how often do you get in a position where you're in a deep draft class and you end up successfully trading up and getting a quarterback? Like, it, that never happens. And it wasn't like Rosen looked bad. It's more like you weren't convicted and you're pick enough to stand up and say, like, I'm I ready to I loved Rosen last year. Do I, what? St- I still like him. Yeah, I still I, think yeah. he's going to be a good quarterback in the NFL. And yeah. I'm not sure if the Cardinals are even making the right decision. Uh, like, I, I like Kyler Murray a lot. Uh, I'm a big fan of his. I think he's the best quarterback in this draft. And I think he could you could really tailor a, a really good offense around him. But, I mean, in Cliff Kingsbury's offensive system, if if he brings a lot of his college concepts to the NFL, I actually think Rosen is probably a better better fit for that than, than Kyler Murray is. And I think he, he, I mean, Josh Rosen's only 22, and I think he really does have a bright future ahead, ahead of him. And I don't think he's been given a fair shake. I mean, uh, so hopefully he goes to a team that does give him that. Yeah, and I would rather have any first-round quarterback from last year's draft outside of Josh Allen ahead yes. of Kyler Murray. And I would rather have Josh Allen than Dwayne Haskins. I'm totally with you. I, I think Haskins is well, – I've kind of made this comp before. I, I think he's Derek Carr just because he, he needs pretty much everything around him to be perfect in order for him – to succeed just I because he's not very mobile. Mm. No, he's not. No, no, no. Well, the problem, he's not mobile at all. So yeah. he can't create outside of yeah. the pocket in any way. Well, exactly. I'm like, he's, he, he inside the pocket is Mariota inside the pocket. I think that that's, that's a, that's an okay comp because they have similar arms uh, and they're, bo- they're both very accurate. So I, I can see that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, Sure, like I, I'm, I'm not gonna fight that, fight that point right now. Um, I think if you put Haskins on the Rams, that they win the Super Bowl. I think Haskins is a guy who works really well inside of like, you know, a well tailored offense. Like if you get him with a smart offensive coordinator or head coach, like they have in, you know, in the Rams. Like, I mean, I think McVay could make him an outstanding quarterback because he's not a guy who works outside of structure. He can go through his reads, but really he needs like his first or second one to be open. And I mean, w- whenever golf has to get past that, he fails. So I guess what I'm trying to say is like I think there's a certain point where you have guys who can ascend above the offensive plane you have, and I think that's guys like at Josh Rosen, honestly, um, Baker Mayfield from last year. I, I but other than those two, like I really don't know anybody else who can. Like, yeah. and, and I say all this to say that I think there's still a good chance that Rosen becomes the second best quarterback drafted in 2018 or 2019. And going back to the original point, I mean, if all they get is third round offers and the Chargers end up pulling it or whatever, I, I would be totally fine with the Titans offering a third round pick because honestly, like you have a guy who, you know, can be a franchise quarterback We've seen how you know needy these teams get for those guys. You've got him for two more years on his rookie contract after this year, so three with a fifth-year option if you trade him. So you could essentially get a guy who's a great cheap backup at quarterback, who's going to be trade, who's going to have like a second-round trade value in a year or two. So I mean, yeah, I don't 
the table. But the question has been asked before, would you trade for Josh Rosen? And just getting that out there from a Titans perspective, absolutely. Like, yes. I don't want to trade 51, but if there's any other trade they would like to make, I, I would be all over it. Um, let's move into a, a more Titan-centric topic, though I think that was important to talk about. Um, and that's the preseason opponents have been announced the Titans will start in Philadelphia, then come back to Nashville to face New England and Pittsburgh, and then they will finish the preseason in Chicago. You know, the, the preseason is funny because we get so excited about that right now, but the reality is is that it's going to be 12 very agonizing hours of football, regardless of who they play. They, they are so boring. Watching those games is just... It's like watching paint dry, especially when you get to the third and fourth quarters. It, it is it, it, it's it's very tough to watch. I remember uh, and, at the, uh, the the Vikings game last year, the Luke Falk preseason game. I got so bored in the third quarter that I literally just stood up and started walking around like the, the press box. I was just so bored. I'm like, there's this is the most boring thing in the world. Yeah, it, it's just that the players just honestly like that. This is gonna sound brutal, but they're 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 just not very talented, and especially when you put a lot of these players uh, in an offense that's centered around these quarterbacks who just are never gonna make an NFL roster. Yeah, it creates a really bad a really bad product. And honestly, I can't even believe people pay pay money to go watch these games. There is an 80% chance that I'm going to take both my sisters-in-law. They're uh, 18 and 16, and they love going to Titans games, but I can't really take them to real games too often because it stresses me out if they're like, what's that guy doing? You know, <laughs> who is that? <laughs> so, like, these are, like, the perfect <laughs> things for me to do. Um, so I'm one of the fools who will play, pay money to watch a preseason game live. But, you know, Oh, I'll be there 100%. Yeah. But. The week three one might be good against the Steelers at night. Do yeah. we always get killed by the Steelers? Like, I, 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 Even oh. in preseason. Do you remember, do you remember the yeah. Steelers preseason game last year where like, afterwards we were all ready terrible. to get rid of Davis and Mariota? Oh, I mean, yeah, I mean, because people are crazy. But, you know, it's like it, it, it always comes down to how enjoyable is your backup quarterback to watch because they're going to end up playing – at least 50% of the snaps, it seems like. And also, like, how fun is your undrafted and, you know, third-day draft picks? Like, how fun are they? Well, because I would say you, that Ryan Tannehill is probably going to be pretty fun to watch. Yeah, yeah I think so, I too. Like, it, it, and I really hope they let him kind of – they won't open up the playbook or anything like that, but I really hope they're like, hey, you know, if this isn't there, why don't we try doing this and see if this would work in a game or if this makes any sense. You know, like small things that a veteran athletic quarterback can do. Um, almost use them like a crash test dummy. And it's like, does this work? It's like, nope, you got blown up by the defensive end. It's like, we will not do that in the regular season. Like, let him do stuff like that. But, you know, if you draft a bunch of, you know – guards and defensive tackles and stuff at late in the draft, like you're not going to have a fun preseason. Like you're just going to watch guys and you're going to be like, oh, look, he got a half step back farther than the other guy. Like if you draft like speedy, like 4-2, four, four, well not 4-2, but 4-3, four, 4-4 four, four guys and you just let them have the ball, like that's where preseason gets fun because there's no tackling late in these games and people are all over the place. The only times it really feels exciting is when you've got, you know, 
some fifth round pick from Toledo running wide open down the middle of the field and Tannehill's yeah. like that. That's, that's the only time they get exciting. Uh, I want to talk about new England specifically because a lot of people I saw on Twitter kind of making the connection when this was announced that, you know, obviously Vrabel and Belichick know each other well. New England's coming week two. That's when the Titans did their joint practice last year. Maybe there's an opportunity for some joint practices there. I tweeted that I thought that was a great idea uh, because how fun would that be to watch Tom Brady for a couple of days? And now, according to a report from Jim Wyatt, who is as inside as you can get considering he works for the team, that's probably going to happen. That's exciting. It is exciting, and it's not all that surprising, especially given all the connections. Yeah. Uh, I think it's going to be very cool uh, for a lot of the media members and maybe even fans uh, to see Tom Brady work up close. Uh, I know we've all kind of grown tired of him just because of how good he is and that he keeps winning, but I think seeing a player of his caliber just work methodically in these practices uh, is something that's really intriguing uh, for, for a lot of us who don't play football on a regular basis, kind of just to see uh, what greatness is in person yeah. and, and what he does that sets him apart from maybe other players. I guess I like look at these like joint practices differently because immediately to my mind, I'm just like, okay, who can the Titans trade for on the Patriots roster? <laughs> uh, because uh, look what happened last year. Like, you know, Robinson loved Adam Humphreys. They saw Adam Humphreys, and then they paid Adam Humphreys. Like, I, I don't know that it's necessarily a one-to-one, but anytime you get these guys in close quarters and you've got people, like, watching other guys thrive or other guys, you know, struggling in a system where, you know, Robinson may like this guy. It, it, it just it, it always kind of brings out that conspiracy theorist in me, which isn't very hard to do. I've got but, my guess. I've got my guess. Oh, uh, what? Kyle Van Noy. Oh, dude, no, no. Like, I wouldn't give a seventh round for him. Like, everybody losing their mind over him, it just baffles me because it's another player that – you know, Belichick has just found a way to make good, even though they're not very good. But, I mean, I guess he does that with everybody. But it just feels like... <coughs> Deion Lewis. Do what? Deion Lewis. Malcolm Butler. Yeah, I mean, like, they're <laughs> going to be interested in, like, these guys anyway. Like, they've shown they're going to pay him. Now, Malcolm Butler did turn out to be halfway decent down the street. He's fine. He's fine. Yeah. But, like... I don't know. It just like it always feels like there's going to be a move made. Like when I see joint practices, because that's just the way. I mean, I think um, you know, going back to last year, that there were rumors that the Titans were interested, interested in Vincent Jackson, right? Like, or not Vincent. I say that every time. Deshaun Jackson. Yes, <laughs> I was so confused. Yeah. We're gonna matter. Why would the Titans want a 35 year old receiver? I do that every time. It's it's the San Diego Chargers of receivers. Like in my brain, I'm like, that's not the right one, but it just comes out every time. Well, Vincent but, Jackson was a San Diego Charger. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Uh, there's some crossover, but it just like it just seems to happen every year. So that's that's why I'm interested for it. And if Tom Brady could give Mariota some of his, you know, magic, you know, I don't ever get hurt even though I'm 40 years old and all that kind of stuff. If you yeah. can give him some of that good energy, <laughs> that's fine. Like, get him on his diet plan, TB12. Yeah, <laughs> just give him With, the nutrition plan that yeah, works. So avocado well. ice cream. Which Titan and which Patriot are the most likely to get into a fight and or altercation? Taylor oh. Luan. 
against anyone. Well, it doesn't even yeah. matter. Um, hold on. Like that's a that's a good question. Um, I'm trying to think who the scrappiest person on New England is. Yeah, I don't know. Edelman. Edelman's gonna get. Yeah, I was gonna say maybe Edelman and Butler. Yeah, I was thinking Edelman and Butler. Uh, Ooh, yeah. Maybe, maybe Logan Ryan too. Like, does Logan Ryan's too docile to fight. Somebody. Yeah, yeah. Kenny Vaccaro might. Like, Kenny Vaccaro may come down and pop uh, one of those receivers too uh, hard. I can see that happening. And then, like, because I don't think Byard will. Byard's real smart about it. Like, but I could see Kenny Vaccaro being just like a little bit juiced up and coming down and hitting the guy a little bit too hard, and then all that breaking out. Ben Jones is also. Uh, and, and like a sleeper name because he's kind of feisty and yeah. he's got to compete for a job, assuming they bring in another interior offensive lineman. Who, and he who could does, be trying to show off. New, yeah, who does New England even have on the interior of their defensive line? I was though? about to say they got Michael Bennett in the offseason. Oh, he, that's a, that's a high uh, way to have Juan and Michael Bennett. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's that seems right. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Uh, so another kind of announcement today from the Titans end on their podcast, uh, Butch Spearden went on there and he's one of the guys kind of spearheading this NFL draft setup here in Nashville. And he mentioned something that is one of the greatest revelations perhaps of my life. And that's that there are going to be over 5,000 free parking spots each day at the draft because I'm sitting here thinking, how in the world am I going to get downtown, even though I literally live like five minutes from downtown? And I'm thinking, am I going to have to pay $50 for an Uber because it's going to take you know an hour with all the traffic? Nope. Free parking. Yeah, but how many cherry trees did they did they take down well, in order you make to get a good these point, parking Matthias. spaces? Right. You make a valid point. Thousands. Thousands. Taken thousands down. of cherry trees. Nashville will never be the same. <laughs> to be completely no, honest, I think I said this last week. I had no idea there were cherry trees downtown. Yeah, I don't. I don't live in Nashville, but I do not ever remember seeing a single one. I would wish that, like the the NFL draft would do like an in memoriam segment, and it would just be like a bunch of like famous Hall of Fame football players who passed away, and then it just says like ten cherry blossom trees, <laughs> like with the last slide, just to throw shade at Nashville for being such punks about all this. That would be hilarious. I, I would, I, like, I would, I would go to the draft on day two, and I would make have a shirt made up that says like "In Memoriam Ten Cherry Blossom Trees." Like, <laughs> I would be so like, I would have a jersey on that was just number ten, and then it was just cherry blossom trees over the back of <laughs> the name. Oh my gosh! And you could like. Are you guys gonna go on day two? I I, I think my plan is I'll definitely be there on Thursday and Saturday. I might get caught up with something on Friday, but. Day, day two is the worst because they have people announcing every single pick, like special guests. Oh, and yeah. It just takes forever. Yeah. Forever. I know and they always get so behind. Yeah, yeah. And the picks have been leaked by that point anyway. There's like, there are like three picks in front on the clock, and they're still announcing the one from like three picks before. It's Yeah. It's, uh, let, let me, let's talk about this for a second because last year uh, Bleacher Report screwed me because – they came out and they uh, they didn't do it with any other pick, but the Harold Landry pick came on a full minute before uh, the other picks, and that, so I didn't have my phone turned over because you know why would you? Because they hadn't tipped any other picks, and then they do it and like 
I didn't even really get to the enjoy the Honor Landry like dumb stuff oh, that Vince Young said because I was already all, looking at my phone. Oh my god! I got to enjoy Honor yes. Landry because I, I I very vividly remember when they traded up. I thought, oh, this has to be Harold Landry, and then when Vince Young gets up there and he says Honor Landry, I legitimately had no idea who the Titans had picked. I thought I heard on Honor or whatever he, he was trying to say. And I thought he was trying to say Arden Key, and I almost had a legitimate <laughs> heart attack. Yeah, I remember, I remember because that would have been a terrible thing. <laughs> like, ugh. I just like, remember yeah. uh, uh, here when he said Honored Landry, I'm pretty sure I said out loud, who? <laughs> and then they flashed Harold Landry graphics on the screen. I'm like, wait, he said Harold Landry? And yeah, then this yeah. young, like, smiled, like, just, like, staring at the camera, realizing he didn't know how to say the word Harold, which is insane to me. Yeah. Uh, but, it, I mean... It's like John Travolta trying to say Adina Menzel, whatever that well, was. Except the word, word was Harold. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't something that's hard to pronounce. It's a word you've seen a million times in your life. Uh, that, that was insane. Um... The only thing worse than day two is day three to me because they always go to these like interstitials of like yes. some at a local zoo and they're like, oh, yeah. look, he's going to pick it. Or like it'll be a chimpanzee <laughs> pick the like, orangutan. Yeah. They'll be like, Bobo, who did the Chargers pick? And he'll like waddle up to a screen and like slap the screen and it'll just be like some, some guy you've never heard of, some fifth round defensive tackle from nowhere university. And you'll be like, <laughs> hell just happened like we waited so 45 accurate. minutes for them to set this up i remember i got to go to one of those one time when uh the titans were doing this at some like tv studios somewhere here in town and taylor lawan announced the pick and it was Jayon brown and i remember they handed him the card and he goes how do i say this yeah <laughs> which is correct like it's like did y'all misspell Jalen? it's yeah, exactly but- that which has got to be like it's got to be a crappy position position for like any human to be in like at least the animals like if they mess something up they're like oh like it's fine but like you, they, you there's always that weird delay where they're like I think we're gonna go out to Taylor Lewan and then there'll be like a minute delay where he'll be like and with the twi- like and I'm like yeah. oh, man. <laughs> where he's just like staring at the camera you know like yeah. one of those low budget local news shows that's not working. I- I would much rather them just cut and give it to like a scout, like in the Tennessee Titans, like front office. Yeah, like, that'd be cool. It's like just do that. Like they know who they're drafting. Like they like they're gonna be confident in the name, the position, and like it. it it's it just is. You, you know, the, the funny thing about the draft is how old fashioned it is. Because if you think about it, like a few weeks ago, I did a fantasy baseball draft, uh, riding in a car on a way on the way back from Memphis. I was not driving, so so don't think I was drafting while driving. That's that's funny. That sounds drafting while driving. Anyway, <laughs> but like the fact that I can do a fantasy baseball draft with ten other teams from the car, and the NFL people are still having to write a name down on a card and walk it down the aisle to some yeah. guy. I think it's yeah. bizarre. I guess it, it's it, tradition, you know. Yeah. Got got to keep it. I mean, eventually they'll stop that. Like. At some point, they'll be like, this year we'll have the electronic thing, and inevitably somebody will screw it up, yeah. and some intern working the phones will hit the wrong button, and like yeah. it won't through, and like the Ravens will miss their pick again and get like jumped by Kansas City like that happened 15 years ago, whatever it was. 
So some of the prospects have become trickling out of uh, players who are going to be attending the draft. Uh, I'll start with the quarterbacks. Uh, Kyler Murray, Drew Locke, and Daniel Jones are going to be there. So pretty much that means Daniel Jones is going to the Giants. So I'd just like to say congrats, Giants fans, for pretty much drafting a worse version of Eli Manning. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be exciting for you. Yeah, y'all made it. Y'all get this version of Eli Manning for another eight years. <laughs> A little more athletic. I'll, I'll give him that. He, he can run a little bit faster. And uh, as for the edges, uh, we have Nick Bosa, Josh Allen, Montez Sweat, and Brian Burns. So uh, Clellan Farrell's not there. So it, it pretty much means that the Titans are not going to draft him. Just kidding. But it, it, it would make sense that they draft someone who's actually present at the draft. Uh, someone who is and has been linked to the Titans and who will be at the draft is Kristen Wilkins. Uh, one of three defensive tackles, along with Ed Oliver and Quinn and Williams. So, will, will Metcalf be at the draft? Not sure yet. I don't. I don't think it's come out yet. It's, it's coming out very slowly for whatever reason. It's just oddly, like, it's Where oddly seeing this? on Twitter. Two Ron is tweeting about it. A couple of uh, draft accounts are tweeting about it. Yeah, this is not for fake news. I, yeah, I, wonder, I wonder, like. Is there like a press release or something that's gone out? Dude, they're probably having a whole a whole uh, show oh, on yeah. NFL Network. Yeah, I wonder if that is <laughs> that's happening. That's probably it. That's probably it. Yeah. Yeah. That's no probably, way. Yeah. That's, no, they probably are. It's probably like breaking news. We've got information on the five wide receivers that will be attending the draft, and then the names pop up on the screen. Like, I bet awesome. that the draft. You know, it's funny. I have not watched NFL Network aside from uh, Good Morning Football maybe once or twice in years because it's all boring. Yeah. I mean, it is it is brutal watching, like, the same top tens and all that over and over and over again. Like, I know there's not a million top tens to do stuff on, but, like, I wish they would. It, you would think they would find some way to have some original content, like – do a weekly show on like following a player through the off season or do something like that. Instead, it's just kind of like talk show after talk show after talk show after talk show. And after a while, like you just get used to hearing the same three people, like the same three teams over and over and over. Like there's only so many times I can hear Willie McGinnis or, um, uh, who's other old Maurice Jones drew. I was going to say, oh, MJD. Yeah, he's <laughs> terrible. And like looking worse and worse every day. Like, it's to the point where I'm like starting to get real concerned about his health. Like he's got to be five foot four, <laughs> six hundred pounds. Like he is. You're not like, wrong, man. And, that, and that's an exaggeration. And that's an exaggeration, but like it's it's a crazy body type he's working with right now. You know, the and thing like about him mocking Don or Dante Moncrief, DK Metcalf, both Ole Miss guys, to the Titans is, like, I don't do these bets where it's like, if I lose, I'll shave my head. But if I made those kinds of bets, I would bet against the Titans taking Metcalf. He in no way is anything like what John Robinson wants. Yeah. If if we draft Metcalf, it's because uh, there's been a dick, like, there's been a, uh, not dictation, what would it be? Uh, a mandate. A mandate from the top yes. saying, You've got to draft this guy because he'll look great on stage, and because he's a local guy, and because we're hosting the draft. Like that's in no the production's not there. Uh, there's not leadership issues, but like he was never like a captain or anything like that. Like he's not got the long term starter. Like everything that Robinson 
you know, likes in a player is something Metcalf doesn't have. I would bet on the Titans drafting AJ Brown before Metcalf if they were both 100%. available. Yeah, just and from the production him. standpoint, yeah. it, it just they won't have him either because I think he's a one-year starter, right? AJ Brown. Yeah. Well, no, he's starting twenty seventeen. Yeah, two two straight one thousand yard seasons. Rashawn Evans was a one year starter. Yeah. Rashawn uh, was like a nickel package uh, pass rusher, though. Like, which is one of the reasons why I liked him. Like, he was like a, a very he- and he played special teams too. Like, he was like heavily in the rotation, but then he only like started started in uh, his final year. Matt Calf would- will Matt Calf will be at the draft along with Hawkinson. Uh, Hollywood Brown, interestingly, will be here. Uh-huh. Josh Jacobs and Noah Font. That sounds that sounds about right. Is Josh Jacobs going first round? I'm not sure about that. Who is that uh, again? The running back from Alabama. Yeah, uh, he shouldn't like people are in love with him. I, I don't I don't understand why. Like he had like six good runs because he only ran it like 20 times. So. I, I just want to get some confirmation, but in terms of the receivers that John Robinson has drafted uh, over the past couple of years, I think they've all had uh, multiple 1,000-yard seasons. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think I think if we go receiver at some point, it's it's going to be a player who has has done it for multiple years Hollywood in a pretty Brown grand is scale. One of those players. Correct. So yeah. Hakeem Butler. Yeah. Well, let, let's get into that because we're about halfway through our time, and for the remainder. What I want to do is what we kind of talked about earlier, which is go through each of the Titans' positions of need and talk about what they need there and then talk about some prospects that fill that need. And let's start at receiver because this is a spot where, in my mind, there is something specific that they need because heading into this offseason, they needed reliability, and they got that in Adam Humphreys. Now they need someone to... Not necessarily take the top off, but just someone to do something, you know, so that every play is not, I throw the ball 10 yards, we gain 10 yards. You know, someone to do something after the catch, someone to stretch the field, you know, someone like that. And so that's why I, I think a, a big possession receiver, like what I see Metcalf being, is not what they want or need. I'm not sure exactly what I want for the Titans. <laughs> uh, not that what I want matters, uh, but I, I don't know. I mean, this is a very intriguing receiver class. And like you said, we do need someone to, to take the top off the defense. But I, I really do feel like Corey Davis can be that guy. I just feel like he hasn't been used in, in that way just because we've kind of tried to pigeonhole Taewon Taylor, Darius Jennings, Cameron Batson in, into those roles, uh, but but they're just not very good. So I, I think Corey Davis can get deep, and I think he could be a very good vertical receiver. He showed in college, and, and he's done it a couple times uh, in the NFL. I think in that, in that Eagles game, he got deep for like a 50-yard catch. And, and I think if you get uh, another receiver uh, on the boundary who isn't necessarily a vertical threat, but... He can, you know, be a jump ball guy and also be a decent possession receiver. Uh, maybe someone like Calvin Harmon or, or, or Nikhil Harry. Uh, I think you can turn Corey Davis into a more vertical guy who could be the person to to take the top off the defense. Uh, and, and you wouldn't have to go with a, a speedier receiver in this draft. Maybe someone like uh, Terry McLaurin from uh, Ohio State or, or Isabella, uh, who, you know, they don't really project as... as 
elite receivers at the next level, or at least like number one or number two receivers at the next level, which which is something that I think we do need. Um, so I misspoke. Uh, Hakeem Butler has not had 2,000-yard seasons. I was thinking of Nikhil Harry. because um, Yeah, but Butler had seven touchdowns and like 700 yards. The yeah, like so. it, it, it wasn't a bad like it's not bad production, and he like killed it this year. Like he had like thirteen hundred yards or something. Like he he did great. Like but uh, Nikhil Harry was when I was thinking of who had yeah. eleven hundred uh, last year or eleven hundred two thousand seventeen, and then thousand last year. But <laughs> it's weird. Uh, so I think I'm in the minority. Uh, well, I think it's kind of changed over the last two or three weeks, but. I think Hakeem Butler is wide receiver one in this class, and I wrote about it um, before this big movement happened where there's only so many players in history that have been as athletic for his size. Uh, Okay, so uh, I'll I'll explain deeper. There's a thing called uh, RAS, which kind of uh, a a guy named at Math Bomb, um, I can't think of his name right now, does these and it takes into account the weight of the player and uh, how athletic they are kind of per pound and then it quantifies it into like an altogether like composite score and there's been like six guys in the last 10 years who've been as athletic or more than uh, Hakeem Butler who've been drafted in the first round and five of them are uh, either Hall of Fame receivers or will be Hall of Fame receivers. So, like, they, I mean, they're all, and not 10 years, it's 15 years, but, like, they're all very good. And when you look at Hakeem Butler, he is that guy. Like, he is the clear number one option in the passing game. He's double teamed a lot. People are very physical with him in coverage, and yet he just continues to make play after play after play. That's the kind of guy I think the Titans need. They need somebody who, you know, even though he his biggest question mark is his hands because he had like 11 drops or something like that, you know, it, I, I, I don't like drops, but if you can have, you know, 22 yards a catch like he does, that's fine. Like, I'm okay taking one play for zero yards if – Three, three of the next times you catch huge chunk plays. The Titans need somebody who can do something really, really well, and I think what he does after the catch is special. Um, it, the, there's a lot of different ways they could get that. They could do that with uh, Hollywood Brown as a deep receiver. or That's with someone I really like. Yeah, like, I mean, there's different ways to do that. But for me, if there's any chance you can get Hakeem Butler in the second round or even trade up to, like, get him in the top 45 picks and give up, like, a fourth round or something to move up in the second, like, if there's any way you can get a guy that dynamic at that size, you should do that. But if he's not there, then it's like you just kind of want to wait on the draft because there are – Probably like my wide receiver three to my wide receiver seven are like separated by two or three points on my grading system, uh, which is not a lot because there's really not much of a difference in their overall talent. It's more like what flavor you want. It's like, do you want an underneath guy who's really fast? Well, get Paris Campbell. You know, do you want somebody who can be a big slot and be like more of a you know, you can move them all over the field and do that, then you want to kill Harry. Like, there's there's different flavors in this draft after, you know, your, your really good players and A.J. Brown and Hakeem Butler. But uh, all this to say that the Titans have a guy who I think is 
the wide receiver equivalent to Delaney Walker in Corey Davis. I think he can do everything well. I don't think there's any aspect of the game he can't do, even though he might not have like an elite trump card like Hopkins physicality or T.Y. Hilton speed. I think he can do everything well enough to be a number one wide receiver and to be a, you know an annual 1,000-yard receiver, even in an offense like the Titans that doesn't necessarily pass it a lot. They need to find somebody who's got one special trait and put him opposite uh, Corey Davis just just to keep defenses honest. Yeah, I, I'm going to be honest. I, I didn't love Hakeem Butler when I first watched him. Uh, I, I still have reservations about him. Uh, I, I just didn't think he separated as consistently as I would want against the level of competition uh, he was playing against. And he just looked kind of awkward at times. And like you said, the hands weren't great. Uh, but he has really good traits. Like you said, after the catch, he's just so aggressive. Uh, it breaks so many tackles. Uh, and, and he has really good box control, especially near the sideline, and a really large catch radius, which are, are just so tantalizing, especially for a guy who ran a 4'4", 940 uh, at 6'6", 225 pounds. I, I mean, that is just an absurd athletic profile that, that just oozes potential. Uh, and, and granted, sometimes it doesn't work out, uh, but but I think it will for him. Uh, and and I agree, there's a really deep dra- uh, draft class in terms of receivers, uh, and I wouldn't say it's top heavy. Uh, so y- you really can pick and choose what you want, but I, I don't. I just don't know if I would take any of any of these guys in 19. It, it just seems kind of rich for me because a lot of these guys do have flaws. They're just not uh, close to perfect prospects. Uh, I mean, I mean, there isn't a, a perfect prospect in really any draft, but in terms of these receivers, they, they just all kind of have something that 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 has me uh, reserved about them. Uh, so, so it'll be intriguing what the times uh, uh, go for and, and when they choose to to dip into the free agent class uh, into the receiver class. Yeah, uh, before we go on or anything like that, there's two guys: one that I like and one that I know both Matthias and I like. Um, one is Emmanuel Hall, who the Titans are going to have for a visit and their hometown visit, who's a really good deep threat. Like, I thought he was just kind of a one-trick pony, and he just could catch it if he ran himself open. He's not. He sets people up really well. He's tall. He's long. Like, he has that those kind of, you know, I, I don't want to scare Titans fans, but he does have, like, a Justin Hunter-like way of running his routes where he's so long-limbed that it just seems like he's kind of like a gazelle. Um, he, he's really fun to watch. I would like him on day three or late in day two. Um, then the guy that Matias and I both like is Antoine Wesley from Texas Tech, who if you can get him on day three and you're confident in that, I would be fine foregoing you know, wide receiver in the first three rounds because I think he can be a really good player. Uh, I, I think he's getting – I think he's getting kind of buried by guys, and I don't really know why because he's like 6'5 and pretty solidly athletic and really productive, but that, that's a guy I could see the Titans loving. The the thing about Wesley right now is that he didn't run a 40, uh, and he didn't exactly uh, – I, I mean, he, he measured in a little shorter than, than maybe most were expecting, and he's really skinny, so it, it's definitely a concern at the next level whether he's going to be strong enough uh, to fight off more uh, more aggressive cornerbacks. But, I, I mean, for a guy his size, uh, he doesn't look awkward at, at all. He has, like, really unnatural agility. Uh, he's a really good blocker as well, gets vertical. Uh, the only thing he really struggles with that, that, that I've noticed uh, is on in-breaking routes. He, he just doesn't seem to get open. 
but that's fine because it's not really what you need because we have Humphreys and Corey Davis who could do that uh, on a very consistent level. Uh, and he's just a really good, tall, vertical threat who can go get the ball when needed, uh, and, and he has really good hands. So he's a guy that I really like from what I've watched of him, and I do. I think you're going to be able to get him later than maybe we expected earlier in the process just because he hasn't run uh, and he hasn't really uh, kind of blown up the, the pre-draft process like maybe uh, some expected. Yeah. You know, another position that the Titans could stand to upgrade is the interior defensive line. Because that's a spot where really Jarrell Casey is the only guy who's produced these last few years. The Sylvester Williams experiment was a fail. Benny Logan didn't do much of anything. Austin Johnson has never progressed. And Daquan Jones took a massive step back this past season after getting a contract extension. The problem is, outside of those top two guys being Oliver and Williams, is there really anyone... I like Christian Wilkins... But is there anyone in this class that would warrant the Titans spending a first or second round pick on that position in terms of of need and value? I'm not. I'm not sure. This is, this is a tough question. Uh, I really haven't watched too many of these guys. Uh, I've watched Wilkins. Uh, well, aside from the top two, I've watched Wilkins. I've watched Dexter Lawrence, both of them from Clemson, uh, and I, I've watched a little bit of Jeffrey Simmons. Wilkins just—I I don't know. I don't know what he's gonna offer for you, yeah, especially if you're taking him at nineteen. Him. Like I like him; he's a complete player, but I don't know that he's gonna make enough of him a, a, a discernible impact to be worth a first rounder. I think I think he's like a more accomplished Daquan Jones, who may he has more talent than Daquan Jones. But I don't know if he's going to have the impact that you're expecting from uh, from a guy who you're probably expecting to take a lot of attention off of Casey. Yeah. But he's not really a guy that can, that can you know handle double team and, and take away take away attention from him. I I don't from what I've seen I, I don't think he's that guy. But I, I do think he's okay. Uh, I w- I would take him maybe late first early second. But it's just not not a pick that I would get excited about. And I think the NFL is moving away from guys like Wilkins, like Daquan Jones, towards some of these more undersized prospects who are better athletes who have a chance to get you know seven, eight sacks in a season, mm-hmm. as opposed to he's you know solid in every area kind of guys, you know. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, I, I like honestly, I like Jeffrey Simmons more than him. The problem with Simmons is that. He tore his ACL, I think. So uh, I don't know where he's going to go. So someone's probably going to get good value on him, maybe in the early to mid second. Um, he also had a domestic violence, domestic violence incident that's probably going to push him off the Titans board completely. But if he was healthy, he's a guy that at 19 I would actually, uh, I would actually consider just because um, he's really good as a pass rusher and really good as a, as a run defender as well. Uh, he gets really low, even though he's a big guy. Uh, really good with his hands, so he, he's a guy that I really liked, but it, it just doesn't seem like you know, he's someone that the Titans will target. So, um, okay, so going back to Christian Wilkins, I don't think I agree with y'all at all. Like, I think he's an upfield guy. Like, I know, I know we were talking about how he can't handle double teams. Like, I think he's a very much a pure, like, penetrating guy who 
and maybe I'll say this and I misunderstood, but I think if they draft him at 19, they're going to trade or release Casey in a year or two. I think that's the only way you can justify that. And I, I don't think they should. Like, I mean, I don't think anybody does. I think we all have a lot of confidence in Casey, at least for stretches. He can be one of the more dominant defensive linemen in football. But he's got to play three technique. You know, he's big, but the only time he's been used, uh, I guess, let me rephrase it. The only time he's looked exceptional at Clemson is when he's going straight up field and really being aggressive in what he's doing. He's not a sit back and hold blocks. He doesn't mm-hmm. read blockers. He doesn't do any of that stuff. He is. He wants to dictate the pace, and when it's and when he can't, it puts him at a big disadvantage because it, that his first step is his money. So, I mean, I, I like him. I, I don't. I mean, I think I have a late first, early second round grade on him. I think he's good. The idea of him at 19, the idea of him not being there at 19 is crazy to me unless the Falcons take him at 14 because they need a defensive tackle and everybody else is off the board. But I, I, I don't know. It just, that, that seems way too high for me. And I'm decently high on him. Um, you no, know. I, I, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was I was going to move on to other guys after Wilkins. So if you want to talk about Wilkins, you can. Well, no, I just wanted to talk about kind of interior defensive line in general, because has it become a position where, you know, if you're not ending up with a guy like a Donald Kawan Short, Casey Atkins, you know, Everson Griffin, someone in that mold, that it's ultimately not worth it. Your goal in the NFL should be to help out your passer or to get to the other team's pass. Yeah, but that's what that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, that's, but that's what so I'm saying. Few, like I can name probably 20 edges who have a chance of getting 10 sacks this season legitimately, and I could name maybe five or six defensive linemen who have that same chance. Obviously, you know it's different position. But what I'm saying is there's less pass rushers at that spot. Than there really should be. I mean, I, I guess what I'm saying is, is like, if if you're not an upfield like pass rushing defensive tackle, I almost don't want to spend like a top fifty pick on you. Like it just that the value is not there. I agree, and I think Wilkins might fall within that. Yeah, I mean, I, I. I I think that's kind of like where you've got to be is like I, I think he can be a good pass rusher and he can get upfield and get to the quarterback and that makes him worth the top 50 pick to me. But if, if y'all look at him and y'all don't think that, then I don't think he should be a top 50 pick. Like, you know, just, just in a vacuum, like when you're looking at a player, just like when I'm looking at somebody, if they can't get to the quarterback and they play on the defensive line and really if they're – you know, anything but a linebacker who can cover exceptionally well or a defensive back who, you know, who doesn't need to do it. Like, if you can't affect the other team's quarterback, then that, that's a serious red flag for me. Um, so, you know, and, and all this is kind of answering on the fact that I don't think Dexter Lawrence is worth a 50 pick. But, you know, I guess I can understand where people think that he might be if they think that he can get a good push because I mean, he, he whooped up on Bradbury who everybody loves and they don't want to admit it. But I mean, he drove Bradbury into the quarterback's lap on every single play he went against him. You know, so I, I wonder, go ahead, Matthias. 
I just want to talk a little bit about Lawrence because I this this might be a hot take, but I would rather have Dexter Lawrence in the second round than Christian Wilkins in the first round, just because I think with Lawrence you already know that you're getting uh, a, a two down run plugger, but I think he has more potential. Um, as a pass rusher than a lot of people think just because uh, he's 350 pounds 6'4 that that's just not a guy that you would expect to, to be a three down player but I think he can be uh, I th- he had eight sacks as, as a freshman or as a sophomore I can't remember uh, and, and then he just kind of kind of got drowned out as the Clemson defensive line uh, was just filled with a bunch of stars but he's really agile for his size uh, and he does have a decent amount of, of pass rushing moves that I've seen him use uh, in a couple of these games. Uh, and then add in the fact that he's already going to eat up double teams for players like Casey or Daquan Jones on the other side. And I just think he can make more of an impact that, than Christian Wilkins can, uh, who you're taking a whole round earlier. Let me ask this question, because I think this is going to put this whole thing into perspective for us. Aside from Aaron Donald, name me a defensive tackle who was taken in the first round in the last five years who, given the chance, you would again take in the first round? In the first round? I have no idea. <laughs> um, I like Starlo Tulele. Um, you would take I, Starlo Tulele in the first round. Well, I mean... Knowing that you're going to get the production that he has given. Oh, No. Uh, sorry, I, I misunderstood the question. Oh, I thought okay. you like who was a good pick at the time. No, we're playing the hindsight game. Okay. Oh well, no. I mean, in hindsight, like, uh, let me think. Oh, Taven, Taven Bryan, obviously. I mean, that's a that's a no brainer yeah. right there. Anytime you get the next JJ Watt, you got to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Worst narrative. I'm going through the I'm going through the drafts, and like, they're really there's like no one, you know. No, I mean, this is going to be the renaissance for defensive tackles, which is why, like, this is all going to sound crazy oh. in years, because Quinnen Williams is going to be amazing. I mean, Quinnen Williams is, yeah. uh, he's not better than Aaron Donald, because he's a different type of player, but, I mean, he, he you'll remember when uh, Marcel Darius had 10 sacks and he was a nose tackle, and he was just unblockable and, like, Anything he wanted to do, he could, even if you were double teaming. I think that's like, uh, I think that's like Quinnen Williams's floor. Like he feels just but utterly. Did he say the same thing about Solomon Thomas and Jonathan Allen? Solomon Thomas was different because he was a conversion. And just, okay, so you bring up a really good point uh, because uh, this kind of gets into something else I want to talk about, which is Rashawn Gary. All these guys who were like hybrid, really athletic and productive, like. Solomon Thomas was more productive than he was athletic, even though he was a fine athlete. Like, and so was Jonathan Allen. But you know, these guys who are too heavy to play defensive end, but too light to play defensive tackle, and have to play this hybrid position. You know, those guys are really interesting because you could end up with Solomon Thomas, who's been terrible, or you could end up with Jonathan Allen, who did have eight sacks last year. Uh, I mean, so did he really. Yeah, he did. Like, I, I looked it up today because I was writing about it. Like, yeah, like, I, amazingly, he had one sack. Oh, my God. And eight last year. And he did that from the interior, like, occasionally playing on the outside. So, like, I really liked him coming yeah, in. Yeah, I did draft. too. But, like, that, that, that's the whole thing is, like, you're drafting a guy and everybody's, like, oh, you can just put him at edge because that's the body an edge has. And that's what people are saying about Rashawn Gary. And it scares me because Gary's a better athlete than the other two were. 
but he's less productive and he's never really played like edge on a full-time basis. So that, that scares me a lot. Like I I think you can put Ed Oliver out there because he has like a 3.153 cone drill, which is better than most, you know, pro bowl edge rushers have. Like he's a freak athlete who just got put in the middle of the defensive line for no reason. So this was like the Sam Hubbard thing last year that didn't make any sense to me. It was like people were seeing that he's listed as an edge and played defensive end at Ohio State, and they were like, oh, yeah, plus they made the connection with Vrabel, Ohio State. And I'm just sitting here like, this is not a 3-4 edge. He just doesn't have that type of body and that type of bend uh, to be a 3-4 outside linebacker. So that never made sense to me. Yeah. So it's just like, you know, you get these weird hybrid guys, and then it's like, okay, so Luke, you've seen uh, some Rashawn Gary, I'm sure. So, like, if Rashawn Gary's there at 19, even though he's being mocked as, like, a top 10, top, you know, 12 type player, do you draft Rashawn Gary at 19? Who who are my other options? Um, Okay, I'm going to tell you the defensive ends and the defensive tackles that are Because if Farrell's there, I'm taking Farrell. No, he would he wouldn't he would be gone if if this happened or there would be like some weird like skill position run early in the first. So the defensive ends or the edges that are gone are Bosa, Allen, uh, Sweat, Burns, and Farrell. Those are your five edges that are gone, and the defensive tackles that are gone are Quinnen Williams, Ed Oliver, and. I'll leave Christian Wilkins on there. So, if wait, Ed Oliver's on the board? No, Ed Oliver's no, Ed Oliver and Quinton Williams are both off the board. Okay. So remind me one more time who I have. <laughs> uh, your best options at edge are uh, Rashawn Gary, if you think he's going to play there. Okay. Then I, I guess don't. the next guy is what, Chase Winovich? Is so, is uh is Bradbury on the board? Yeah, I'll let you have Bradbury on the board. And I'll take Garrett Bradbury. Because if I can't okay. get Burns or Farrell and I'm the Titans, that's who I'm taking. So so okay, so nobody's concerned with the fact that he got pushed around like he weighed a hundred pounds when he played Clemson. Like we're just I, I mean, I know it's one game, but it, it's it's such a bad look to get your ass whooped all around when you know, you're in pass protection. It's not like he was in zone and he got a bad angle. It was like they would line up a guy on him and just drive block him back, and there was nothing he could do to stop him. That's a serious concern for me. He because fit in well with the Titans' offensive line. Yeah, <laughs> say, like, they just cut two of those guys, or they just let two of those guys walk. Like, I mean, like, I get that he helps you in the outside zone, and that, in theory, should help you, like, set up play actions and stuff, but that scares me, like, a guy who played bad competition, who didn't really have great games against good competition, like that concerns me. That that's, and I know we're not talking about interior offensive line right now, but that's that's something that people aren't talking about, and I don't understand why. I think this has been a good discussion, though, because I think what we've kind of realized is that at defensive line inside. Unless you're getting a premier guy, whether that be Oliver Williams in this draft or you know, Solomon Thomas, Jonathan Allen in another, you don't need it in the first round. You don't want an a 
jack-of-all-trades, master-of-nothing in the first round. Yeah, and I think you you should put a little faith in, in Vrabel, who's a guy that has coached up uh, three, four outside linebackers, linebackers and defensive linemen, uh, to get a lot out of maybe a third or fourth round guy that you take in this draft. Uh, because I think, I, I don't know. I mean, I haven't watched these defensive linemen, so I don't know who's uh, who's a good prospect that you could get in the third or fourth round. But there are, uh, around the NFL, there are a bunch of defensive interior defensive linemen who were dra- underdrafted, and, and they're performing at just as good of a level as a lot of these first-round guys. Sure, so okay. I... Yeah, exactly. I mean, we we have we have two of them. Daquan Jones also, I think, was a third round pick, or he yeah. might have been sick. Yeah. So I I don't know. I I just it, it's a good discussion to have. Uh, and, and honestly, if I were given the opportunity, I would go uh, for another position. I would even go interior offensive line before I went uh, with an interior defensive lineman at nineteen. Defensive tackle, by the way, is the only position that they're still like above average starters still in the free agent market if your guy who you're not i mean if you don't fall, find somebody you're in love with go out and sign jernigan or go out and sign sue for a year you know it, just push this need to next year and you know make your team better now like that you can't do that with edge or corner or receiver or any of these other positions i don't know why there's a big hmm. you know hold on the defensive tackle market but if i'm the titans and you know, Oliver gets drafted at nine or whatever. My first call isn't to trade up. It's to sue to say, you know, how much is it going to take for us to sign you tonight? Like, I, had, I had no idea he was still a free agent, to be honest. Yeah, like all the defensive tackles are. Like there's like, uh, like Timmy Jernigan is 26 and he was, he's been really good with uh, Baltimore and Philadelphia. I think is where he's been in his career. Um, he got mm-hmm. traded for like a third round pick. Like, both those guys should be like starters somewhere. I'm uh, if I don't find either one, you know, if, you know, unless Quinn and Williams gets caught like Laramie Tunneling like before like the draft, you know, if he and Oliver are both gone, then I mean, I get people like Christian Wilkins and I like Christian Wilkins, but I'm I'm already calling Sue and I'm like, unless he says like it'll cost fifteen million dollars and I want it all guaranteed and I want it for two years. Then I'm like, okay, well, come to Nashville and we'll sign you and we'll walk you out, you know, in the middle of the draft. And you know what? I'm okay with that because I think Sue is the kind of player who, because everyone says the Titans are a bunch of choir boys, and I kind of agree with that. However, you don't ruin the choir boys with an Antonio Brown. He's selfish. You ruin the choir boys with someone who has an edge. And I think right. Indomitian Sue falls more into having an edge than being a selfish player. Yeah, I do too. I think once he like commits to a team, then you know he's a good team player who sets the tone, you know, mentally and, and just in terms of aggression. And everybody's like, "Oh, you know, he's a dirty player." And I'm like, "Yeah, like you know, he did some dirtier stuff a few years ago." But you know who's the dirtiest player, like the only player to like win that dirtiest player of the year award like three or four times was Kevin Mawai, who was amazing. Like he may be the Titans' best offensive lineman not named Bruce Matthews ever. I mean, Kevin Mawai was outstanding and he made that entire offensive line work. So I, I don't know. Like I don't mind having a dirty player. People say Taylor Wan's dirty. Most of the time, it just means you're whooping up with other guys so bad that, you know, he's making excuses and all that other stuff. So, 
you know, as long as he can not kick people in the face like Hainsworth did or whatever, like just come, you know, be aggressive. And then I don't care about the other stuff. If you push a guy late and you get a 15-yard flag and it's the quarterback, you know, that that sucks. But if you shove Andrew Luck to the ground or hit him late and it rattles him, I'm fine. Like, you can have those types of guys on your defense and still be fine. Yeah, I I agree. Well, I I think this has been good discussion. No hot takes and very reasonable. Uh, We'll be back next week probably have a similar discussion and wrap up our pre-draft coverage i know matthias you are taking a trip pretty soon so i don't know that we'll see you next time but in the works at some point we'll do another mock draft like we did last year where we go through and 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 take who's there we did kind of something like to prepare for that on, on google docs last week i can't really think who did the titans end up with Farrell? yeah yeah so uh We'll, we'll try to get that out um, in a couple of weeks leading up to the draft, which, crazy, is only two weeks away. Uh, but that's it for us. For Matthias and Will, I'm Luke. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening to the Titan Size Podcast. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.